G'day and welcome to Occupied, your fortnightly podcast for all things occupation and occupational therapy. I'm super excited about this episode. It is an absolute privilege to have Heather Connor on, who happens to be pound for pound one of the strongest humans on earth. But I wanted to get her on and have a chat with her about her story, uh, her experience of anxiety and and PTSD, uh, and how that's affected her life. And, And I'm so grateful she was more than willing to come and have a chat with me and share this with you. It's a super vulnerable chat. There are highs and lows. I will offer that a bit of a trigger warning. We do, we are talking about uh, some quite sensitive and, and possibly emotion-evoking things. There's discussions of abuse. There's discussions of PTSD. There's discussions of adverse reactions, so anger and, and, and lashing out and that kind of thing. I will also offer a, a language warning on this, a fairly heavy language warning, I think. So at times there are some, some strong language used. If you're okay with all of that, please do have a listen. I think it's a super valuable chat and provides some amazing insights. How are you? I'm good. Um, I've been up for a little while, so I kind of stick with like a routine in the mornings. And that's why like I was able to do this so early because it's right after breakfast. And it gives me that time to relax just a little bit before I go in into actually starting my day uh you know i gotta give like all my attention to butters and pancake like first thing in the morning <laughs> the dogs obviously require a lot of attention i get that <laughs> i get that that makes sense your your video that you had posted with your dog like going after the sprinkler oh, through, the, through fence, the fence that was amazing <laughs> he loves the sprinkler but i've never seen him well i've never been out there while the sprinkler's been on in the front yard like spraying against the fence and he was just going off just trying to eat it as it came through the little slots in the fence he loved it it makes me wonder like what goes through a pet's mind to where they're like hey this seems like a good thing to do (laughs) i've always wondered whether because he like tries to eat the water coming out of the hose as well i've always wondered whether he either really loves it or he hates it and I can never, like, tell which is which. And I'm like, do you really hate the water coming out or do you love it? Either way. Have you ever tried spray up? Oh, yeah. All the time. Does he love it? He tries. He just tries to eat it. Okay, because I tried to do a sprinkler on Butters one time and she went, like, batshit crazy through the yard and was not having it. <laughs> oh, he does that, but he'll, like... You'll be spraying him and he'll slowly try and eat the water stream right up until he can bite the hose. And yeah. and then he stops and he runs back around and he like starts again. That's just his <laughs> whatever's going on in his head, he is having a ball. Well, at least he's happy. <laughs> so I guess like the whole thing started originally because you posted uh on Instagram uh about anxiety mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff and um Yeah. And, and I asked you about it and you were like, yeah, I'll come and talk to you on your podcast. <laughs> that, was yeah, that, actually, that was your actual that voice, Q&A by the way. Got a lot of, that Q&A got a lot of um, responses as far as like positive ones. Um, you know, I guess because it is just such a touchy subject for people to want to really continue to talk about. Uh, because I really don't see it much. I, 
I mean, there could be people that post about it and I just miss it, but you know, if I'm not seeing it, I'm going to make sure to con- like to continue to push it out there because it is such a, I want to say it's a subject that's not talked about a lot, but it's affecting a lot of people, a lot of people. And, um, what I choose to post on social media is, you know, it's not my everyday life. It's my lifts. It's me doing something stupid, which is normal, but, um, but you know, when I post things like that, it allows people to know that there is another side of me and it's one that I might not show too often, but it's there. And I want these people to know, like, it doesn't matter where you are in the sport, like you can still go through normal, you know, situations like anybody else in the world. Um, so it's, I think it's a reality check for a lot of people and it makes people more aware of why you do some of the things that you do. And like, I'll be posting to my stories, like some stuff about mental illness or like anxiety or stuff like that. And even those little pictures, like they get those positive responses because People need to hear it sometimes. I I look at those things because I might be feeling some type of way, might need that daily reminder to stop, you know, being an idiot and letting like negative thoughts that don't even happen like happen. And I guess that's why I I was really curious because, like you said, like it's that's your I guess lifting life that you you post mostly on Mm -hmm. Instagram and that kind of stuff and having those little insights and obviously we've we've chatted a little bit here and there about this kind of stuff but i was like i want to find out more about that other side and maybe you know see if we can spread that message and you know if, if it helps either or this podcast is primarily for clinicians and it i think for one it's a really valuable tool for clinicians to get uh, an idea about what it's like to have some of these kinds of conditions because most uh, clinicians, unless they've lived it, they they wouldn't know. They don't know how it, what it's right. like, what it feels like, what it's like, you know, the experience of it. So um, I was really keen to to get you on and, and have a chat about, well, what what is your story with regards to well, anxiety? So it all started uh, my junior year in high school. I was in a very, you know, like you get in those high school relationships and nobody can tell you nothing. Like this person, like looking back was the most toxic person I could have ever been with. Like my parents were super correct when they told me about this guy. But again, I'm in high school. I know everything. Don't tell me nothing. (laughs) So I had been dating this guy for two years at this point. And, um, you know, it was a relationship that maybe should have lasted half a year at the most. But I was that kind of person like I can I can fix them. I can change them and help them be a better person. So, um, you know, this, this guy, he, he hung out with his own crowd. Like we were two separate people. Um, I get a phone call one night from his, um, brother and he's like, Hey, you need to come pick up John. Like he, he is drunk. He's belligerent. 
et cetera, et cetera. And I'm like, dang, I didn't even know he was out like that. Um, so this is a time where you couldn't just pull a GPS up on your phone. And I was actually thinking about this last night. I'm like, how the fuck did I get to this location? Like, <laughs> I don't, I can't even tell you how I got there, but somehow I got to where he was. And um, the thing to note about him, he had just got his wisdom teeth taken out. So he was on Percocets. So Percocets mixed with um, alcohol, like liquor, it, you know, there's a reason why they tell you not to do that. It's not a good so mix he, usually. Right. He was um, blackout drunk trying to fight everybody. And we were trying to get him into the car. And that in itself was just a task because he's trying to hit everybody and they're just trying to help him. So he finally gets in the car. He's in the passenger seat. Um, I get in the car and I start going down the road and I was going to take him home. That was my end goal. But he just kept saying like very odd things and my gut instincts, like, I don't feel too good. I don't feel too good about the situation. I don't feel safe. I need to call my dad. So I'm thinking that my phone is like somewhere close by me so I can dial my dad and I can't find it. I'm like, fuck, like, where's my phone? So I pull over, um, and I start looking for it. And I just cannot find my phone anywhere. So I look over at him. I was like, hey, John, can you can you call me? I need to find my phone. At this point, I'm not telling him like what I'm planning to do. I'm just merely asking him to call because I can't find mm. my phone. Yep. Um, so I don't know if you remember the Razor phones, you know, the, like, yeah, yeah, flip, the phone. flip phones. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, he had one of those and he opens it up and he just starts pressing like every number on the phone and I'm like come on John like please like let me see your phone I I will I will call my phone so he takes his phone and snaps it in half and I was like okay um okay like I it just things were progressively getting worse so the car still pulled over um I get out and half my body's out the car and half of it's inside like looking underneath my seat everything like that. And I can just hear John just like talking like, and it was just like, he didn't, I don't know who he was talking to. That's how like, he didn't know where he was, nothing. And all of a sudden I hear, Hey, and I look up and he just punches me directly in my face, like in my nose. And so I, of course, like instant reaction, I grab my nose and get out of the car. I'm like, Oh my God. He gets out of the car, comes around from the front and like takes me by my hair and just starts throwing me on the ground, um, punching me, headbutting me, he's on top of me. Um, and I am at this point just fighting to get him off of me. Um, I can't tell you how many times I was headbutted. I can't tell you how many times I was punched because my adrenaline was just going so much and it wasn't until like I was in like some like chokehold on the ground with him on top of me. Um, I just, I looked dead in his face and I, I knew he didn't know who I was, anything. And 
something like him. He's like, get this motherfucker off of you or he is going to kill you. So somehow I was able to push him off and I just took off running down the road. I took off running down the road and you can like hear gunshots. So apparently wherever we were, somebody was seeing what was going on and was putting off that warning shot. Like, you know, we see what's happening. So I'm running down the road and I'm flagging down this car going towards me. And, um, it's crazy because the car that I flagged down, I had actually pulled over right in front of their house. So they get me into their van and it was a mom, a grandma, a young girl and her younger brother. They take me to their house and it was my, I knew my face was already swelling. So, you know, they're seeing what's happening. I was like, I, I need the police. So they're calling the police. Um, I'm trying to get a hold of my family. Mind you, my dad and my sister were at a movie theater at this time. So respectfully, their phone was on silent. Yep. My mom was with my grandma and grandpa, and my grandpa was sick with cancer. So her phone's in her purse, not on her. So it was like worst case scenario happening yeah. right now. So, you know, I'm not calling from my phone. I'm calling from a random number. So it's not like, Hey, this is Heather. It's who keeps calling me at this point. Um, so I guess when they saw these missed calls and the police were trying to get in touch with them, that's when they're like, what's happening. Something has happened. Um, I, I just remember I was standing in this person's house and I don't know how long it took for my dad and my sister to get there. Like the police were all outside. Like there were swarms of cop cars and my sister, she doesn't knock on the door of this person's house. I mean, she like busted down the door to get to me. Like she knew I was in there and she's just crying. Mind you, I never have seen my sister cry. You know, me and my sister are very close in age. So we're at that age where we bicker a lot because I'm taking stuff out of her closet and, you know, just like the sibling thing. (laughs) So like that was the first time I'd ever seen her like that towards me. And I remember trying to leave with my dad and the detective stops me and he's like, um, are you Heather? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, we've been looking for you because the cops, I guess, thought that I had my phone. They were not aware that I didn't. So as they're trying to call it, I guess my parents were like, call her, call her. Yeah. You know, they're thinking I'm somewhere hiding at this point. Um, so I told him like, I, I don't know where my phone is. And, you know, he lets the police know, like we got her, but they had to take pictures of me. Um, And I knew how I looked and here's me being the person I am. I dead looked in that detective's face as he's taking the pictures. And I was like, sir, I swear I am way prettier than how I look right now. (laughs) Like here I am trying to make the best out of this very bad situation because (laughs) honestly, like it was already shit and I knew it wasn't going to get any better for a little while. (laughs) So of course I was brushed off and I kept, all I kept seeing were these lights and my dad's like, I need to get her to the hospital. 
like I knew my face was swelling, but I, I refused to look in the mirror. Yeah. Yep. Um, I was not doing it. I just, I knew it was bad. Um, so I get to the hospital. Um, I was there for about, um, nine hours. They had to do like CT scans on my brain, everything, you know, they had to do like pregnancy tests and I'm like, I'm, I'm not pregnant, but it's still protocol. They had yeah, to do yeah. that. So they had to do, they had to end up doing like CT scans on uh, and MRIs and everything because there was like a huge, like gash on my head from where he had constantly like headbutted me. My eyes at this point were both black. Um, the, all the blood vessels, in my left eye were shattered. So that whole eye's red. Um, so they just want to make sure that there's no like bleeding going on there. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Um, I mean, cause it's, it's a head injury. It's super, super serious. You want to take it lightly. Um, so I was there for a while. That guy had of course been arrested. Um, but you know, it's, I was scared to death. I'm but. my, I was about to turn, I was 16, about to turn 17 years old. And, you know, the one thing, and I always tell people this, the last thing I ever want to see there are my, is my family members upset. And I saw it all that night. You know, I, it was, it was terrible. And I wasn't allowed to go to school for a week because of how it looked under court orders. They did not want me going looking that way. I wasn't on any pain medication. They simply put me on ibuprofen to take down that swelling. Yep. Um, but you know, word, word got out quick. What happened? Is it a, like a small town or a big place that you, were it, it's, it's a small, small yeah. place. So news travels and pretty quickly. It traveled very fast. And, and I had people who I don't talk to, like getting my phone number and, you know, texting me just trying to be nice. But in my head, I'm like, you've never been nice to me in your whole life. Don't be like, I'm just mad. I'm so mad at this point. Like I'm mad at everything, you know, because why me? Why did this happen? I'm trying to do right. And here this goes. Um, I was angry. I was so fucking angry. And, you know, my parents didn't know, but the next day I went to that jailhouse because I wanted to see the motherfucker. And, you know, the police, they know my dad. Like everybody in that town knows my dad. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. I even knew me going there was, I, he was about to get that phone call. Yeah. So I'm scared to death. I'm at this jailhouse for visitation. And that was the, I wanted that guy to see me. Yep. I wanted him to see what he did. And as soon as he sat down, he's like, oh my God. And I was like, oh my God, that's what you have to say. Because speaking to the police, like the night everything happened, when he was in the cop car and he was sobering up, they said to him, like, do you know what you have done? And he's like, what are you talking about? He's like, you have really hurt your girlfriend. And he's like, no, I would never do that. And they're like, no, you actually did. Like you, you messed her up very bad. And he was, he wasn't believing them, but. I wanted him to see what he did. And I just remember like out of sheer anger, I just punched the shit out of that 
plexiglass window, like as if I was about to break through it and snatch his soul. Like, because this, like, this was the most dramatic thing at this point that's ever happened to me here. I, I can't even go to school. Everybody in town's trying to contact me. You're a piece of shit. Like, what's next for me? So, yeah, yeah. you know, I'm, you know, my, I, I can't even tell you what my family went through at that point, but it got better. And by better, I mean, it got extremely worse within that same week. Okay. So Sundays, <laughs> Sundays are spent with family Yep. every Sunday. Anybody that knows me on Sunday, if you ask, where is Heather? They're going to be like, she's at Mima's. She's at Mima's, which is my grandma. Yep. We have family dinners. Um, so I was there on that Sunday. And how, how many days after was that roughly? Um, like the week this, after, or? this was six days later. Okay. Um, so it was within that same week. Yep. Okay. So, um, I was in a very depressed stage. I wasn't eating a lot. I think I dropped down to like. 43 kilos at this point. Um, just, just not eating. Like I felt sick if I ate. And, um, so I'm there and my, when my grandma cooks, she cooks a lot. She cooks for like an army and I just, I couldn't eat. I didn't want, I didn't want to, you know, I just wanted to be alone. So I, I go in the living room and I kiss my grandpa. I'm sorry. I tell him I love him. I'll see you soon. So, um, I leave and I think I was back at my house for 10 minutes. I remember I was sitting on the couch. I was watching something on TV um, and my dad comes in and he was, you could tell he had been crying. And I was like, what's, what's going on? What are you doing? Like, it was weird. He takes my phone. He, I was eating a bag of chips. He takes my chips and he's like, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, about what, you know, what are you sorry for? And he's like, I did everything I could. And I'm like, what, what is pretty talking about? And he was like, Papa has gone, which is my grandpa. And I was confused because I literally had just seen him, you know, because it's such a small town. It took mm. me 15 minutes just to get home. So yeah. what happened that 15 minutes? I was confused. We, you know, I pushed my dad off me because like when I'm mad, if I'm sad, I don't want people touching me. And he's sitting here trying to get me hugged. He's like, we need to get to the hospital. We go to the hospital and he's trying like 
to explain to me what happened within that time that I left. And he said that my grandpa went to get up to say he needed to go use the bathroom, but he was on a catheter. So my dad's like, what do you mean, Jerry? I'll go with you. You don't need to be getting up. But as soon as he went to walk, he fell to the ground. And my dad's like shouting for my mom to call the ambulance. And that's her dad. Yep. So she's scared. My grandma's scared. You know, everybody's there but me. And, you know, he was pronounced dead on arrival to the hospital. So here I am just, I'm questioning everything. Like, why is this happening? Because he was at the hospital that morning to get a routine checkup. You know, he had cancer. Um, and during that whole time he was there, nothing was unnormal. They sent him home. But what it ended up happening was a blood clot that they had missed traveled to his brain. And because of like, the chemo and everything, like when you took off his hat, you know, he had no hair and you could see where the blood clot had went. And I was angry. Oh gosh, I was so angry. Can imagine. Um, so now I can't go to school for another week. <laughs> so two weeks, you know, any regular kid would be like two weeks out of school. Hell yeah. Me, I'm like getting more and more depressed. So, you know, we had um, the funeral. And then I go back to school. And when I'm back at school, I, I, you know, I have to wear sunglasses because my eyes are still black. And everybody was just staring at me. They knew I wasn't there. Um, but they, they knew not to speak about it. Teachers knew, like, hey, there's going to be a kid wearing glasses. Don't tell her to take them off. She's not ready. So, you know, I had to go through school like that for a little while. And I remember I was in biology. And <laughs> this is, <laughs> you know, I, I'm not, I was not dumb. You know, I probably, my grades probably did justify me not saying that, but you know, I was the kid that got away with everything in school. <laughs> you know, I was the cheerleader. I was this, I was that, like, you know, I, I got away. Like <laughs> everybody knew my dad, like, Hey, her name is this. Let's not bother her. Well, I, I was very smart. I just didn't applies I did, sure. I did not yeah, yeah I applied myself on the classes I like but if I was bored in there you're gonna get nothing from me um my biology teacher <laughs> she said she called me up one day and she was like Heather I'm like what's up what do you want you know I'm sitting here with my sunglasses on and she says I need you to take this note to so-and-so's class and I dead ass looked at her because I knew what she was doing. 
when a kid got a note to go somewhere, it's because while you're gone, that teacher's going to tell the class something about you. And, you know, I just looked at her and I was like, why? Why don't you ask somebody else? I knew what she was doing. Yep. And she was like, well, I just, I just need you, you know, this will give you a little break, kind of like you're a little time out for you. And I was like, whatever. <laughs> you know. Um, so I took my time, took my time coming back to the class. You know, I'm the kid you didn't want to send out because I was going to go say hey to people. So I did. <laughs> she probably wouldn't she come back. <laughs> she knew that. She knew I was going to come back eventually because uh, all my stuff was there. <laughs> that's the only reason (laughs) yeah so i probably come back with maybe like 30 minutes left in class and before i walk in she comes out like because we had windows on the door she comes out and she's talking to me she goes heather and i'm like here we go she said it's time for you to take off those sunglasses and I'm like, nope, absolutely not. Nope. Mm-mm. Nope. But looking back, it was, I know what she was doing. She did not want me to stay hidden because it was doing nothing for my confidence. So do you think so, you were like hiding a bit behind the sunglasses for longer than yeah. maybe you needed to? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, because I knew they were still signs of what happened and I just I wasn't wanting people to see that part of me because it was a very vulnerable part of me um so I mind you now this guy that he he went to the same school as me he was not allowed back at that school like he was kicked out everything like you're not getting restrained when I say that this guy had restraining orders like his family could no longer put another restraining order on somebody he, I mean he was getting death threats everything again small town uh the town's pissed <laughs> so um I okay so I took off the sunglasses and I walk in the classroom and nobody's looking at me and I knew that's what she had did when I left she I knew she told them, I'm going to tell her to take off her glasses and don't look at her because we want this to be a positive thing. Yep. And they didn't. Nobody looked at me. And I walked down the hallway and I might have felt like people were looking at me, but I think they were looking at me more with those glasses on than with the glasses off. They're like, oh, Heather's back. Yep. Um, so it's you know, I still had like my left eye was still really red, um, but it was going away. Um, I had to go see a guidance counselor for the longest, but you know, I, it wasn't until my senior year that I got my confidence back. You know, this, I was a star athlete at that school and that my whole junior year, I just, I cut everything out. What was your, I mean, your sport? Yeah, all in sports. Like, I mean, I was number one in the state in track. And so somebody on this varsity team that's no people are going to ask questions. I mean, people from other schools are like, hey, why isn't this girl doing this anymore? Yep. And, you know, they, they didn't speak about it. They just knew I wasn't there. 
And I just kept saying, I'll be back next year. And I did the next year. I, I lived my best senior life. Um, it went very well. And, uh, it was, I mean, it, it was way better than the ending of my junior year. I can say that. Um, but that's when things, I guess, essentially started. Um, you know, later on, I mean, I was, I think after that point, like I was mean, I was not a nice person because here I am. Woe is me. Um, I was just angry. I was angry at the world. I was angry that this happened. I was angry that my grandfather left. Like it's like, you couldn't tell me nothing. Yep. You know, I, if I liked you, I liked you. If I didn't, you knew it. I mean, you knew it. And it was one of those things like you want to be on Heather's good side rather than her bad side because her bad side, I mean, it's, it's not a good place to be. Were you you Um, quite extroverted before all that happened or were you quite a reserve or like what was the difference between like before? I mean, before that, like I was a social butterfly. I was a person that went to every single table in the lunchroom. I, I was going to talk to everybody. But then after that, I know I no longer wanted to be around crowds. Yep. Because, because of the impact on my left side, I lost a significant amount of, you know, um, uh, sight in my left side. Okay. So I didn't want to be around crowds where I couldn't see from all aspects. So my senior year during lunch, I would go to the library and just mind my business. I was secluded. The librarian, she didn't question it. She just let me do my thing. Um, And that's when I started to become more away from people. I, I hung around people that I knew very well. And then I distanced myself around anybody else. I mean, that happened in college and a little bit so forward. Um, but then I started going to the gym just to kind of like, well, I can do this in a positive way. Like I knew something was going on. Yep. Like I knew like, I had anxiety and depression. Um, like I, if you, somebody even brought the guy's name up, I was on spiral downward. I was somewhere out of town and thought I saw him. I was at a restaurant with one of my friends. I thought I saw the guy that did all this to me and had a full-blown panic attack in the restaurant. Turns out it wasn't even the guy. Yeah. But because, you know, it was just, I I thought it was. Just such a sensitive trigger at that point in time. Yeah. So I was, of course, super embarrassed. I left the restaurant and apologized. Um, but just being around too many people, just even like now, like if I do the Arnold, I will leave as soon as I compete, as soon as I compete, because I know there's an overwhelming amount of people there and I don't want to be around it. Yep, It's too loud. I don't like bars. I won't go to it or I'll stand to the side or to my back to something to where I can see literally everything going on. Okay. Um, so yeah, like that, that happened years later. I'm like, I should like, this is like after powerlifting. I'm like, I need to talk to somebody about this because just like I expressed to you, like I can tell you the date 
of when everything happened. I can tell you the movie that my family was seeing. I, I mean, every detail of that night, I can tell you. I was going to say, your, re- so, your recall is excellent of the event, which oh, yeah. tells me it's very much embedded in there. Yeah, and so then that's not that's not good. No, no, <laughs> it's no. Not, no. Um, I mean, I have night terrors and everything. Like when that day comes around, I won't leave the house because I'm just like, oh my gosh, like this is not okay. So it made me a little like it happened on March first of two thousand eight. So it made me like when the Arnold is like March third and fourth. Like I, I just I won't speak to nobody leading up to those days because that I'm allowing that to get out of my system. So I don't react to somebody out of character. So for Um, for anyone listening, it's the Arnold sports festival, which Heather regularly competes at in powerlifting. So if you're not sure what Arnold is, yeah. Yeah. So, um, I, I usually don't speak to anybody on March 1st. I, I just, because I know where my stress level is at, you know, I spend that day with my family and um, I don't want to have somebody say something to me or ask me a question that might trigger a negative emotion. Yep. So I just choose not to speak to anybody. And I knew that wasn't healthy, um, but I, I knew I needed more help. So I went for a psychological evaluation about two years ago. Um, they, of course, diagnosed me with severe anxiety and depression, <clears throat> as well as PTSD from my, um, head trauma. Yep. And so we started, um, we started a process. I want to say it's EDMR, which takes that suppressed memory, just moves it to a different part of the brain to where it's not coming up so frequently. Um, they do that with soldiers who also go through PTSD to where it's not something that, makes them go out of character and either harms themselves or harms other in the process. Um, so, you know, understanding what was fully going on has been like super impactful for me. So I, you know, I found myself to be very vulnerable. I opened up to like men's health, BPI sports about the, the gist of what was happening. Like you were actually the first person who I've told that whole story to. Um, so people knew a, bit they knew I was in an abusive relationship but they didn't know the severity of what actually happened or went on during that time so um you know this is something raw and vulnerable for me to speak about like in the past could never do it Mm. but I would I trapped myself for 10 years 10 years I was trapped with those thoughts so when I first like started putting out like what has happened to me and why I go through mental like what my mental health, you know, condition is, you know, that scared me senseless. Like, I'm like, oh my God, this article is about to be posted. People are going to be at a very personal part in my life. Cause I, I don't post personal stuff on social media. I don't like when people find out certain things about me, they're like, oh, and I'm like, yeah, I bet you didn't know that. (laughs) Powerlifting and dogs. Usually that's about the, the extent of what you usually post. Yeah. Like I just, I don't, because I like to keep that separate. I don't like people getting too involved in the personal aspect of my life. Um, that's still something I have control over. (laughs) So, um, you know, I was, 
I was scared. I was vulnerable. But the impact that article made on so many people worldwide, I mean, I can't tell you the amount of emails I got or direct messages from people just thanking me for, um, you know, being brave enough to tell that story. Um, which is good because it made me realize like, Hey, I'm doing a good thing. I'm using my platform for the good. Um, and that's what I want to continue doing because, you know, people, they don't want to talk about it and people that are scared, it can lead to more dramatic things. We have seen people, you know, take their own life because they have gotten to the point where they feel like they can't reach out to somebody. They feel like they are alone. And because, you know, depression, it's, it's a silent disease. It's not, it doesn't have a look. It's not a rash. It's not something you can just be like, Hey, this person is depressed. Yeah, I can smile on social media, but just had a panic attack five minutes ago. Like you don't know. And that's what people need to understand. You need to check on your friends. If they're acting a little bit out of character, address it, address it. Just say, are you okay? Like, don't ignore it. Just don't be like, Oh, they're having an episode. No, like you don't know what point they're at in this episode. Um, you know, I've been in dark places myself. I've been in dark places to where I just didn't know, like if I was going to escape it. And, you know, there was one instance, like it was, I didn't know what my next step was. And I remember I just, I beelined to the behavioral, behavior health therapist, uh, down the road. And I'm like, I, I need, it was an emergency. I want to see somebody right then. Well, you know, the cool thing about not scheduling these things, like I walked up and I go to the door and it was like closed for the next three days because of training. And I was like, what? No, 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 no. Like this is no, no, I need you now. Like, don't do this. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) So I'm like, of course the day, like I desperately need you boom, y'all are doing some stupid ass trading for the next three days. So, um, but here's the cool thing about the internet. They have like suicide hotlines and you don't have to contact them when you're thinking about suicide. You can contact them if you're just, you're needing to speak to somebody. Um, they do have texting if you're uncomfortable speaking to somebody. And I will be the first to say this. I did try that texting. I was scared to speak to somebody who I didn't know. Yep. The texting thing, it's almost like we'll get back to you as soon as possible. Like you, you are in line to speak to somebody yeah, yep. and you only have a certain amount of characters you can use when typing out something before it doesn't fully send the message. Um, so that made my anxiety go up a little bit more. I'm like, no, I don't, I don't have 30 minutes. I want to talk right now. So I put my vulnerability to the side and I called, I called the hotline and I spoke to that woman for two hours, two hours, a complete stranger who took my anxiety from like a 12 to a two. I've never felt so much relief in my life because I just needed to get whatever was consuming me at that time out. And I don't have any shame in saying that um, because it helped me. It helped me. And a lot of people are scared to reach out because they're afraid of being judged. And if you are reaching out to somebody who you think is going to judge you, don't fucking reach out to them. If you are afraid that whoever you are talking to is going to tell your, your business, don't fucking talk to them. You know, I, I have done that. I have 
I have cleared people out of my life solely because I can't trust them to be the person I need them to be when I'm in a crisis. I keep those that help me and take away from the people that might be adding to that stress or, you know, telling people my vulnerable like position. And that's happened to you. Um, I didn't react negatively to the person once I found out that they told my personal business. I just canceled them out of my life, point blank, period. You are no longer a part of me. They, they have no contact with me okay. because they weren't there to help me. They were there to harm me. And that's what some people got to understand once they are in a good mindset help go to those who are genuinely trying to help you and let go of the ones who only want to be there to tell your business because it's not safe. And you have a lot of people on social media that claim to be a mental health advocate and they're not, they're not. And that's what people got to be careful of. Look at the people who are saying this, really look at them. Like, have they spoken about poorly about people in their past? Have they, you know, are they one for drama? Are they one for gossip? Because if they are, it's not them. Fam. It's not it. You cannot tell them stuff. You have to be like, <laughs> like, cause if somebody comes to me and that's what I like about the question I told you, I like about the Q and a it's anonymous. It's like, anonymous. If I yeah, yeah. And I can respond to them, but people don't know, Oh, who said this? Yep. No, um, except for the person who gets, actually submitted it, they're the only one because it tells right. you, you know, Heather reposted your response. So yeah, they're the only one, which I, is cool. I feel like that puts them in a safe place. Like, okay, I can get the answer I want. And like with some people, there was some Q and A's who I felt didn't need to be posted in my story, but I reached out to them directly. Yep. Because I need it more like in depth, like you know what's going on because. It wasn't a, I felt like their response was a cry for help okay. and the cry for help. I wasn't going to put out there yeah, yeah. for somebody like, Oh, who is this? Or try to pry me for information. Like I'm not going to tell you first off because they're trusting me to not tell you who they are. Yep. And I would want the same thing from somebody who I'm opening up to. Um, and a lot of, you know, the responses with me responding or reaching out to people directly. If in just that day, I have helped them just a little bit, that's good. Because whatever spot they were in, they are no longer in that spot. And that's a great feeling to get out of, you know, that stage in your life. So and, I am curious, are you, so you've, you're obviously very, you seem very passionate now about helping others and using your platform to you know, spread awareness and help others uh, in similar or the same situations. Is that something that you had always thought along the whole time? Like, I want to do this. I want to help other people. Or is it something that's only just sort of come about since you've got yourself into a, a really uh, like a better headspace? Um, well, I had to get myself in a better headspace first because I can't, I can't be helping other people Hmm. with my mind not being in the right spot. Um, Because the last thing you want is a a head case going after another head case. (laughs) So it's going to be like everywhere. Um, I've always wanted to help people. 
I did that. And I was just, I was that person. Yep. You know, I told you like, I used to go to every single table in the cafeteria, just be like, Hey, what's up? Like, I'm your friend. You might not know it, but we're friends. <laughs> um, and you know, there was one instance in high school where I went to the bathroom and there's a girl sitting there just crying. And I was like, Hey, what's going on? And she looked dead in my face and said, it's people like you that make me hate being here every day. I'm like, what? And you know, that comment has stuck with me since I heard it. But, you know, again, like I was the cheerleader. I was the jock. I was with that crowd. I was being compared to the people who are in this crowd. Yeah. And that shit sucked. Like I have never, like that broke my heart. And I sat on that floor and I spoke with her that entire time until she felt okay. I didn't care. I mean, I didn't care that I was missing class. I probably didn't want to be there in the first place. So she was kind of doing me a favor, but she spoke with me the whole time. She hugged me and just cried and she felt better. And I told her, it's like, I am sorry for what, ever in anybody has done to you to make you feel this way. And if I see it, I promise you I'll stop it because I can't be around everywhere. I mean, my mom thinks I was everywhere in school. Cause I, I call her and be like, Hey, what's up? And she's like, why aren't you in class? You know, I'm not going to ask about it anymore. <laughs> so, um, you know, thanks mom. <laughs> and we still joke about that till the day, but, um, yeah, like I, I just remember I stayed with her till she felt okay. And, you know, so this isn't something that, Hey, I have all these followers on social media. Hey, let me just start reaching out to people because it's the fad. No, I don't want the shit to be a fad. It doesn't need to be a fad. What needs to happen is people start being fucking nice. Like, and it's not hard. Like we have enough mean ass people. We have enough problematic people. Let's bring more nice people along. Because the nice people are what's going to help people. And if I see somebody just being straight up mean, like I know I've had my share of being mean and ugly. And I am sorry for anybody who I've made feel uncomfortable because I was in a bad place. I can admit to being in the bad place. And, you know, it's not cool. It's not cool. And I remember somebody had commented on like one of my posts in the, like, I mean, this was two years ago. They commented on something. So they were, they were going and but they were responding to somebody that said something to me and I went to it and I saw like what I had said to this person I'm like oh my god like who the fuck are you to be talking to people like that and I deleted that whole thread because it made me sick to even look at it it doesn't take away from what I said to this person it doesn't take away how I made this person feel but it was the reality that I was again able to see how I chose to speak to people and it's not okay. If all you do on social media is go to people's profile who are minding their own business and just talk shit or, or be mean or look for ways to really hurt somebody, what is your end game besides being an asshole? Yeah. What's the purpose? You know, what's the purpose? Like what, how is this positively affecting your life? It's not. Yeah. And you know, I, I had to learn like, negative comments oh swipe delete that simple <laughs> like it's crazy how easy that was but for so many years i was like i need to respond back just as mean 
But what was, what was I gaining from that? Nothing. I was just looking. It was just funny to some people. And the more people I made laugh by being mean, the more people wanted me to do it. I'm like, yo, man, this ain't cool. Like, I'm not going to go out and attack somebody who's minding their own business. Like, so what if they squatted high? How is that affecting me? It's not. It's, (laughs) It's really not. Like, now, will we make jokes like privately? Yeah, maybe. But it's not something that I'm going to go publicly say to yeah, somebody. Yeah. I'm not going to publicly embarrass anybody like that. Yep. Like it's, we're, we're all guilty for the behind the back, like pettiness, but it's when it goes from behind the back to your face, that's what needs to stop because you don't know what kind of mental state this person is in. You don't know if they're able to just swipe and delete these comments. And I mean, some some things people say are just downright hurtful. Like I've been told to go kill myself. I've been told everything. And I'm like, yo, it's not even that serious. <laughs> like, and, like what kind of mental state are you in to be able to tell somebody to go kill themselves yeah, that's, over something very small? It's crazy. Um, cool. But yeah, like because of that, like I do tell people like, I am very active in seeing a therapist and he's fucking cool. Like, you know, <laughs> like at first I'm like, Oh, maybe he's weird, but he's so nice. And he's so genuine. We can talk about our pets and it's great. Um, <laughs> Your favorite topic. Yeah. 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 Like I know he has four cats and he loves them to death and his daughter's like going off to college. It's super cool. Um, but it's, <laughs> but you know, you don't have, like, if you are unable to go and sit down with this therapist, they have like switched the game up on us. You can video chat these people. They can come to your fucking home or you can just have a, a phone call with them. And that's what I did the other day. I, it was Saturday. I had a phone call with my therapist. He was just checking up on me. He was like saying, you know, Hey, how are you doing? What are your next steps? Um, and I told him, you know, I was, I was going to go see my doctor to see what my best option was. I'm not, I'm not one for medication. I've done medication. I felt like a fucking zombie on the medication, yep. but you know, people have different reactions to it. It could help some people. It could send people over the edge. It's, and that's why I don't want people to think like, oh, medication's your only outlet. Absolutely not. I have done great things just by speaking about situations. Um, and that's what I want people to start getting comfortable with. Talk to those, don't talk to anybody, but talk to those who are genuinely seeking to help you. Like not to tell you like what you want to hear. Cause some people don't want to be told what to do. They just want somebody to listen to them. And my, like, wife, that's my wife tells me that all the time. <laughs> like, yeah, like I don't want to, don't try and fix say. it. Just listen. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, just listen because, you know, or don't, don't push somebody to tell something when they're not ready. If you know they're going through a rough time, just let them know like, Hey, I understand that you're, you're, you're going through a hard time when you're ready to talk about it. I'm here. So you're allowing the person to know, like you're there for them when they are ready, not when you are ready, when they are. And that makes them feel a little bit more. Okay. I think that's, that's really good advice. Yeah. I told, I mean, I told somebody that the other day, like, 
you know, like Facebook and stuff, like some people like that's, that's their outlet. They'll post something super crazy and you're like, Oh, but they're seeking that attention. <laughs> yep. They're seeking that attention. You, I mean, we all know that. Like you have some people that do it. It's like a daily thing. Like, but you know, this girl, like we don't talk. I don't know her personally. Like we went to school together, but she posted something very alarming. And a part of me was like, there's people reaching out to her. Yeah. You know, she has that attention. But something in my gut was like, Heather, just, just send the message, just send her a message. So I did. Yep. Just in case. Like, hey, yeah. Just in case I was like, Hey, um, you know, I just wanted to check on you, see how you're doing. And she could not believe I had messaged her. You, I didn't know I was somebody that she looked up to, but of course, like she's seen my videos, she sees my posts and she just thinks I'm some god <laughs> at this point i'm like no i'm I'm really just lame in school but she was just <laughs> like she was just so thrown back that somebody who she doesn't regularly speak to who has a platform like i do has reached out to her yep she's like i'm okay i did try something this morning but it got intercepted i was like well you don't have to tell me about it but just know i'm here if you ever want to talk she goes, I think I might take a nap. I was like, take your nap, get that rest. I said, and if you wake up and you just want to say, Hey, what's up? I'm here for you. If ever you need somebody to reach out to, don't hesitate. I was like, I might not be able to respond as quickly as you might need me to, but I will see it. I will see it. I was like, just please don't hesitate. And she told me, she's like, thank you. Thank you so much. Like you can, I can't tell you how much this means to me, especially coming from you. Um, but it's just the fact that I allowed her to know, like I care. Yeah. That's awesome. people do care whether it, I show it every day or not. You are somebody, you are somebody to someone. She's like, you know, and I told her, I'm like, you know, the thing with you and with anybody else, you're very unique because nobody is you. You are a mother to so-and-so. Nobody else is a mother to so-and-so, just you. I was like, and nobody else can take that away from you. I was like, you have so much to live for, and that is your child next to you. Remember that. Whenever you get in this headspace, think about big picture things. Don't take that bad day as a bad life. I used to tell my free K kids all the time when they would do something fucking stupid and fucking hate me. Because, <laughs> you know, I'd be like, go ahead, change that color. You're on you're not on green anymore, friend. You are on yellow. And they get so fucking mad because they had to change that color. And I tell them like, hey, your day is not starting off that great. But here's the cool thing. You have the rest of the day to have a good day. The rest of the day. I was like, you might be on yellow right now, but shit, like 30 minutes from now, you can be on green. You just got to do the right things. Choice. But it like clicks in them. Yeah, it clicks in like, Hey, you know what? She is right. I do have the rest of the day to not be an asshole. I have the rest of the day to be nice and not like go crazy on other kids. <laughs> um, but, and I, the same thing I tell kids, the same thing I tell adults, you have like your morning might've sucked. You know, you might've, your car might have ran out of gas or whatever, but 
don't take that minor inconvenience and let it affect the rest of your day. Like, okay, this has happened. It's done with what can I do now? Again, like I used to be that person, like, oh, my whole fucking day is ruined because I stomped my toe. What else could happen? But when I get in that mindset of what else could happen, something else is going to happen because I'm allowing it. I'm looking for it Yep. instead of looking at, okay, well, what has gone right for me so far? Hey, I woke the fuck up. That's cool. Um, hey, and for, some, and for some people, that's a, that's a big thing for some people. Yeah. Like if that's, like the, if that's something that you thought you were going to struggle with or even like something little like getting out of bed at a certain time, if that's something you thought you were going to struggle with and you did it, props, that's a win. Yeah, like I woke up, my dog is so fucking stoked to see me. Like, oh my God, I get to give them food. I get to give them love. I get to eat myself. Like, dang, I might have stumped my toe, but look at all these other things that are going right for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have a job so I can buy butters and pancake, more nice things. <laughs> I train, I have training later that could go good. I mean, it even comes down to training. Like some people have bad training dates and they're like, I fucking suck at lifting. I'm going to quit the sport. Hey, it's just a bad day. Look at, look at the rest of your day. Hey, did you eat today? How much did you eat today? Was work stressing you out a little bit? Big These picture. are all factors yeah. that you had to take into consideration, but you know, I have shitty days all the time. I'm like, yeah, well, whatever. <laughs> I'll just redo it another day. Yeah, yeah. Um, I texted my coach that like, Hey man, uh, deadlifts. Pfft, it, it was a nightmare. Like, I don't know what happened. I'm going to probably take the rest of the day to figure that shit out, but I'm going to do it Saturday. Yep. And I did it Saturday and guess what? It went really good, but I didn't let it consume me that day. I'm like, Oh yeah, it just fucking sucked. It wasn't my day next <laughs> so on the on the training thing so you, you mentioned before uh, earlier that you know you you started at the gym at some point to you know i guess to stay active once you'd stopped doing track and that kind of stuff uh and then eventually found powerlifting and then now essentially pound for pound the strongest drug tested human on earth pretty much as far as i'm concerned first as far as my feds concerned because we still use wilkes i forget about that shit all the time you know, people are like, you pull, you're the only female in a tested federation to pull four times body weight. Like, why don't you brag about that? I was like, yo, dude, I forget about that shit all the time. You know? I'll like, brag about it for you. Like, <laughs> I like, I forget like, yeah, I know I do it, but I forget that I'm the only one that has done yeah, it yeah. <laughs> because I just, I'm so focused on what my next goal is. Like I can't keep living in the past. Like it's cool. Yeah, I, I'm well, very I mean, that's, grateful. That's a great mindset for powerlifting. Is you know you're trying to beat yeah. yourself essentially. Well, what, like I was, I, what I was looking at is what did the training and then powerlifting and then obviously moving into sort of elite level powerlifting. Did that help in any way, or is that something that just sort of happened along the way? Or I think everything happened very fast for me um i do think i have a unique strength for somebody my size i think that has been proven i think that's pretty obvious uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> um and so like things started like falling into place for me but at the same thing time things were falling into place i had kimberly wofford tell me when all this was happening and she's still you know she's still somebody i look up to till today she said to me, 
with all of this, you need to expect hateful comments. You need to expect people to be mean. You need to expect this. I'm like, why should I expect that from people? But, and I didn't, I didn't want to believe it. And then boom, just as quick as all this recognition started happening, it was just as quick for all these hateful, mean things to happen. And so while I see social media as a good thing, it can also be a very bad thing if you don't know how to handle it because it's the internet. People can say whatever they want to you. Yeah, yeah. It's sad. YouTube is the worst. Oh my gosh. I went on there the other day and there was the nastiest comments about me, like nasty as in like perverted. And I was like, Ugh. like who, who has raised you? Like I just, I said it out loud and I was like, Heather, just, just get off YouTube right now. And I was like, but did you see this? And he's like, it's disgusting. People probably live in their basement or are typing this stuff. Like just ignore it. So I have, steered clear of YouTube comments because yikes, uh, I thought Instagram was bad, but no perverts go to YouTube. <laughs> like I, it was so disgusting. I don't like, Oh, uh, <laughs> like, what, what about the, the training itself? Did that provide any escape or a way to deal with things or anything like did. that? It did because like, I like, people with anxiety disorder, their minds can go like a million miles an hour. Like my, I could be like, Oh my fucking God. Like what if my sister dies? The fuck? Like just I can't explain nowhere. why that shit comes to my head. Just out of nowhere. That's what was happening last night. And I had to sit there and be like, Heather, stop. You're fucking dumb. <laughs> I'm like, you just saw your sister. She's good. She's healthy, man. Uh, <laughs> like, so like that shit can be happening during the day. But then I go to the gym. I have a program in front of me. I have to focus on that. And if I don't focus on that, shit's going to hit the fan. So when I go there, I know I'm focused on that one thing and that's my workout. Yep. You can't like nothing else goes in my head because I'm focused on getting better physically. And, uh, you know, that when people see me like screaming at the bar and everything during competitions. I briefly mentioned this on another podcast. They think it's me just trying to get a, like, you know, attention from people. Yeah, I'm not seeking attention from nobody but my coach, really, because that's the person I'm actually trying to impress. Like, yeah, it looks cool, but you know, my coach believes in me enough to be able to hit these numbers. However, society doesn't allow me to believe that I should be able to hit these numbers. And somebody with anxiety disorder, here come the negativity. Like the negative thoughts just like fly through my head. Like, you're not supposed to do this. You can't do this. You know, you are 44 kilos. Like it's not possible for you to do this. And so when I slap myself or I'm yelling, it's literally silencing every single thing in my head. It's like slapping the shit sense out of my face like stop fucking thinking about stupid ass things not happening you can do this you have done this you have proven that you can do this but as somebody who's very petite and small growing up into sports you're always told you're too small to do this you're not supposed to do this and I've made posts about that like fuck that person whoever said you couldn't do something because you can you can and I have done it and but it's not to seek the attention it's to just shut my mind up 
because when I walk out on that platform, I black out. I don't Not see literally. the crowd. I don't, yeah, I don't hear the crowd. Yeah, yeah. I don't see them. Like when my family are, when they're able to go to these competitions, I pinpoint their location before I even walk out on that platform because they are the last person I will see before I just lose focus on everything because that's who I care about. Yep. I, I mean, I like, I like everybody that cheers me on. I appreciate them because, you know, they lift me up when shit's just like, they're the ones hyping me up saying I'm really cool. And I'm like, yeah, am I? But, <laughs> like, so I appreciate these people so much. But in reality, the last person I think about is my family. I'm backstage. I'm texting my mom. If you see me on my phone, I'm probably talking shit with my mom. Like, we just, we joke. Like, my mom's petty. Like, she's probably saying something real stupid. But it, she knows it's going to make me laugh. She knows it's going to make me laugh. And then after every single one of my deadlifts, the first person I call is my grandma. But people don't know that. Yep. They're like, why is Heather on her phone? She's probably on the red Instagram. I don't give a fuck about Instagram. My phone's actually like on do not disturb. So I don't get these messages. I'm talking to my fucking Mima. Like, <laughs> it's just, because like, like my grandma, she, she's the strongest person I know to date. She's the strongest person I know. And I always dedicate my stuff to her. Every single competition is dedicated towards a family member. And a lot of people, you know, I spoke about this the other day. They're like, why don't you leave USA powerlifting? What is USA powerlifting doing for you? What they're doing this and they're doing that. They're bad people. They're, you know, you, you don't need to trust them. First off, you don't know my relationship with USA powerlifting. When my nephew passed away, who was there for me? USA powerlifting. It was 2016 nationals down in Atlanta, Georgia. Two weeks prior, my sister was giving birth to my nephew and he passed away. And everybody's wondering, like, what the fuck is Heather about to do? Is she about to have a spiral? Is she about to compete? Like, what's happening? That was the hardest competition to date because none of my family member members were there. They were all going to be at home watching on the TV with my, my nephew. But now they were there and supported my sister. Like, everybody knew what just happened. And USA Powerlifting sent, you know, they had a moment of silence for my sister's son. They gave their condolences to her on the live stream. And they allowed the live stream to know that this competition was dedicated solely to him. It wasn't about me at that point. It was about my nephew. It was about my sister who just went through the most dramatic thing of her life. And when people get so angry at a sport, they don't understand what it's done for me. They didn't have to do that, mm. but they did. Like they do care, you know, yeah, some things people disagree with, but they do care about their members. They do care about the referees and anybody that's associated with them. If, if somebody passes away, like Greg Simmons, he passed away and you know, that affected the powerlifting community in some way, especially with USAPL, but they went out there, they made t-shirts, they, they made posts about them. And that's something, again, they don't have to do, but they do because this person has made an impact on people. And, you know, they want to honor this person the best way that they can. And they don't know my sister. They just know me, but they know 
my sister, my family are very close to me. Let's show our support for her family because it's a hard time. And I thank them so, like, I can't thank them enough for that because it was not about me. It was about my sister. Yep. And if you, if you're doing anything in regards to my family in a positive way, yeah. I will respect you the rest of your life. Now, the second you do something that is off putting towards my family, I'm probably going to try to gouge your eyeballs. Yep. Out. <laughs> like, there's like no in between, like either I respect you or I'm going to try to physically hurt you. <laughs> like, you, you are um, a person of extremes. Yes. Yes. And, you know, I, I respect USA powerlifting for that. It's, you know, one of my main reasons why I haven't looked anywhere else because they showed me that respect at my most vulnerable time when they didn't have to. And yeah, there's things going on within the Federation that make people upset. But at the same time, you got to remember like, it's not just them making these decisions. It's a whole. That's why they send out these surveys and these questions because they're trying to get everybody's response. Now, you can choose to respond to it. You can choose to not. But that's like voting for a president. Some people don't, <laughs> Some people don't go out and vote and then situations might not fall in your favor. <laughs> that is a can of worms. We're not going to talk about. Like, no, we'll some, leave. We'll leave that one alone. We're not going to talk about what president I'm talking about. But if you didn't vote, you really don't have a you reason to really be mad. Argue. Yeah, just be mad at yourself because this happened. <laughs> but um. But I think I think that's yeah. an important point. Like I, I I know obviously in Australia there's a lot of politics around powerlifting as well and different federations and federations changing affiliations and all that sort of stuff but i think at the heart of it a lot of people who get caught up in the politics of it forget the community of it and forget that you know it might have a big corporate name like usapl or you know powerlifting australia or whatever federation you're involved with but at the end it's it's people and you can find same as in any community you find good people and bad people and people you get along with and people you don't and you know people you really really enjoy their company and people you just don't want to have a bar with it's the same as any other community but i think a lot of people need to remember that like a lot of the reason most people got into this sport was for the community or any sport really is for the community so once you lose sight of the community it's all of a sudden like well is this is this sport fun anymore? Why am I doing this? Yeah, exactly. Whereas if you yeah, can like, keep that community and that's something that, you know, we've been through here with like my club um, is is to maintain, even though there's been a few things happen, to we maintain the community aspect of it and everyone's still having a great time. <laughs> yeah, like don't don't allow the sport to become just a, you know, something for you to just do and dread every day of your life. Like it should be fun. And if it stops being fun, reevaluate some things. Mm-hmm. Look at yourself first before you start putting blame on other people because, you know, you're choosing who you want to be around. And if you're like, hey, you know what, this person's kind of toxic, get them the fuck out of your life. It's that easy. <laughs> be like, bah, like I ain't got time for you. Peace out, girl. Skip out. Um, and I've, I've done that. 
I have sat here and been like, damn, what good has this person done to me? But what, how they influenced me? Have they influenced me in a positive way or are they encouraging me to do not so nice things and hyping me up to be this type of person who I really don't want to be? And if that's the case, you can communicate with them. And if they don't want to change, if they get mad at you, okay, that shows where they need to be right now, out the fucking door. I have let go of so many people who have not been as positive as I needed them to be, not just like mentally, but emotionally. And if I'm trying to be a better person, not just for myself, but for the powerlifting community and my family and friends, it starts with me. And if I allow these people to affect me in a negative way, they need to go. Yeah. And, you know, it sucks, but just like my therapist says, they're just a chapter in your book. Chapters end. Is there anything else you, you wanted to cover quickly or throw in? Have we done justice to what you wanted to, to get out there? Um, I think we pretty much covered everything. I will just send out that reminder. Hey, if y'all are feeling down, reach out to me on Instagram, heather.e.connor, or just reach out to somebody who you really feel is going to help you in a positive way. Don't feel ashamed. Don't feel like you're going to be judged. Reach out. Speak up. You're not alone. We care couldn't have summarized it any better myself thank you so much for for coming and having a chat um yeah I, i've had a ball uh thank you very much for for being vulnerable and, and sharing some some really personal and quite you know deep aspects or events from your your life it's i feel very privileged like you said you just said i was one of the few people that you've ever shared that story with and um i, I feel very privileged and honored that you felt comfortable enough to do that yeah of course so yeah thank you so much well i hope you get a good night's rest it's very much appreciated that you spoke to me i'll be sliding your dms probably later <laughs> send some memes i do like a good meme i do like a good meme <laughs> well i hope you have a good rest of your day i appreciate you no i appreciate you as well thank you And you're feeling all right after that? Yeah. I feel like I just had a therapy session. It's cool. Well, <laughs> technically I'm I free. am a therapist. Just a different kind. Yeah. 